welcome to Feminists Without Mystique, a podcast where we process politics, sex, and the unrelenting firehose of bullshit in the news through an unapologetically feminist lens. Each week, we begin by venting about the news, go deep on one important issue, call out terrible things happening below the top headlines in a segment called We See You, and then we'll end with something hopeful. And as always, if you are enjoying us, recommend us to your friends, fam, colleagues, whoever. Um, uh, follow us on the social media. On the social media. <laughs> We're not on the TikTok yet, but maybe one day. Maybe someday. <laughs> maybe someday. <laughs> you can find us on Instagram, feminist.mystique, Twitter, FWM podcast. Feel free to slide into our DMs uh, anytime. And uh, yeah, here we are. Here we are to discuss January 6th hearings, which have been fucking bonker town. You <laughs> we thought we knew and we knew enough, like Trump and all those motherfuckers were fucking gaslighting the shit out of us, but <laughs> we knew enough to know mm-hmm. how fucked up it was, but somehow it's even more fucked up than we knew it was. And yeah, it's bonkers. It's pretty stunning. Like you say, it, I feel like I kind of at this point had become have have become so jaded that I wondered really what the utility of this is Mm -hmm. I think and it just came from a bitter place of thinking like and we'll we'll probably circle back to this but like the question of like will any of this matter and I kind of worry that it won't but it does the last four hearings because there have been four so far have really um struck me as stunningly important that we go through this methodically and bear witness to this because there are tons of revelations and it is chilling how close we came to collapse. Yeah. Some, some damning shit uh, (laughs) coming out of these hearings. And I mean, yeah, we'll get into if this will matter and if it does matter to what extent and what ways, you know, it's like, will this matter at the polls? But um certainly uh quite chilling and one of the before we get into the hearings uh aspect of it i recently watched this like the new york times did this like 17 minute video that showed like the proud boys and how they really orchestrated a lot of this a lot of the attack um to recommend yes. everybody tune into and it was just it was so planned out and they really took you know trump's you know, stand back and stand by or stand down and stand by or whatever his verbiage was quite seriously. And out of like thousands and thousands of people, they like hand selected the people who would go. Um, You can see that they're like at the front and they're orchestrating different attacks, different entry points. They have, they had like mythologies, methodologies to it, to where they wanted to go in and how they wanted to do it. And they wanted to rile people up. um, And it was just more orchestrated than I had even realized. And they specifically didn't wear their usual Proud Boys stuff, you know, because they wanted to blend in and look like they might be Antifa. <laughs> like, <laughs> LOL. Not really LOL, but yikes, LOL. Um, right. Sorry, I found that quite uh, quite chilling because there's so many of, so many of them. Um, and the fact that they could pull off what they pulled off was a little... A little scary to me, personally. Yeah, it's funny that you brought that that up first because that is truly one of the biggest takeaways or or, or feelings of of new learning that I came away at least in the first couple of hearings with was that was that fact that like I thought 
and I, I think I, you and I consume the news. And mm-hmm. I, I thought that I had a fairly broad understanding of the January 6th riot, basically. I thought it was a group of people that got, I thought I thought it was a rally or that got out of hand. I did think that. I, I thought mm-hmm. that Trump whipped them up into a frenzy. Sorry, the bell of my cat strikes again. Um, but Trump whipped them into a frenzy, and then they all marched on to um, the Capitol. I thought that, yes, there were Proud Boys. There were a bunch of different groups of different fascist, white supremacist, um, scary contingencies. Mm-hmm. But that the coalescing of everyone at the Capitol was more spontaneous. Mm-hmm. So to actually see methodically all the evidence that actually the, and a lot of the proud boys like did not go to the rally they actually went straight to the capitol mm-hmm. um that was a surprise to me that that is new information um and it's well documented so i th- that was i think it was important that they did lead with that or kind of come out the gate with something like that so that uh people who felt like they already knew a lot about the January 6th commission. Like I've read, I know, I know, I know. Mm. It's like, no, you don't, (laughs) you know, this is going to be chock full of new information. And here is something very compelling. Yeah, exactly. And some of like the timeline stuff we found out, um, was not to get ahead of myself, but fucking (sighs) command F in my notes, Ivanka. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, we uh, Bill Barr said that Trump's claims of voter fraud were bullshit. And, you know, Ivanka said that, oh, she respected Barr and accepted what he was saying about the election. So she said that when she was under oath. But recently, some documentary footage uh, came out that was, you know, handed over to the investigation. And she, in this documentary, says, I think that as the president has said, every single vote needs to be counted, needs to be heard. And he campaigned for the voiceless. I think a lot of Americans feel very, very disenfranchised right now and really the question, the sanct- and really question the sanctity of our elections. And that's not right. It's not acceptable. And he has to take on this fight. Look, you fight for what you love the most. And he loves this country and he loves this country's people. And he wants to make sure that their voice is heard and not muted. And he'll continue to fight until every legal remedy is exhausted. And that's what he should do. So I just think she is such a conniving, like, there's so many, like, shitty people involved in this. Um, But I feel like for so long, people were like, well, Ivanka's, you know, she's not, she's not really part of it. You know, the question of, is she complicit? Is she not? And I just, she's not stupid, you know, she's, Mm -hmm. she's not a stupid person. She's maybe a little evil. Mm-hmm. <laughs> be more yeah. so than I thought but I just I guess I wasn't shocked by that but at the same time I would just, the audacity yeah you know, like fucking villainous um villainous behavior I just ugh, Ivanka how could you yeah easily right <laughs> right Oh my God. I know. Even thinking about her in, in conjunction with the word complicit where like mm-hmm. in the first, I don't know if you remember in 2017 when she was like, am I complicit? Well, if complicit means loving your country and it's like, <laughs> that's, that's not, not me. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like, and in the first, I think it was the first hearing um, they played the clip where she was, they were like, did you believe Bill Barr? Cause they opened with Bill Barr saying like, I, you know, 
I told him, him being Trump, that the claim was bullshit, that the, mm-hmm. you know, no evidence of, of the election being rigged or stolen, blah, blah, blah. And so the committee asked Ivanka, did you, did you believe that? It took a lot for her to just accept. She, she finally had to say like, I believed what Bill Barr was saying, you know, but it was sort of like, you can't even, she's so slippery, you know, you can't even get her to say what, you know, that she was sort of talking out of both sides of her mouth. And um, again, that was obvious when Trump tweet uh, I guess he didn't tweet <laughs> but he released some sort of statement on where whatever platform truth social or whatever that he's allowed on you know he was like sort of shitting on Ivanka um for what she said during one of those one of her responses in the hearing that made him look bad yeah totally and I was also a little bit surprised with how many people seemed to be telling Trump that this was bad and he had to stop <laughs> Like, I guess I just thought he was completely surrounded by yes men. Um, mm-hmm. We'll get into drunk Giuliani. <laughs> and there are plenty of yes men surrounding and that, that surrounded him. But I was surprised by just how forcefully he was going against what people were telling him to do that day um, on January 6th. Like he... Mm-hmm did not want the attack to stop. He was angry and, you know, going against his own advisors. Um, and then this like Pence shit where he said, well, maybe he deserves it, like deserves to be hanged when they were calling for him to be hung. And another new piece of information is that Pence was like 40 feet away. Yeah. People and a former Proud Boy now informant said that they would have killed him if they got if they had the opportunity, they would have killed him, Nancy Pelosi, and that Pence is the person who called the National Guard troops to respond. But he was told by the White House to say it was Trump. And I was like, damn, Trump didn't even like, he didn't even do it in the end. Like, it had to be Pence because he's that. I mean, we knew Trump was fucked, absolutely <laughs> fucked. But I mean, can, do you get worse than this as a human being? <laughs> maybe he deserves it and just like yeah Mm -mm. yeah that was so the third hearing last thursday the pressure campaign against pence that might have been the most fascinating one it's tough because they all have a lot of important they were all they've all been very important and we're only like halfway through Mm -hmm. um but yeah i i thought like the pictures of pence basically hiding in a safe room in the loading dock of the capitol complex was actually pretty powerful now that we see that and Mm -hmm. and it's interesting because the committee democrats and republicans one thing that's been really cool about I think cool, cool. One thing that's been really (laughs) interesting, refreshing to see in this committee is that they have both like the Democrats and Republicans on this committee are, are completely aligned. They are presenting facts. They're not sniping at each other, even though they might have slightly different goals in terms of what happens after the January 6th commission is fully completed. Mm -hmm. They are committed to getting the facts out and making sure that the narrative and, and that history is written in a way that accurately reflects what happened. So that's that has been really nice to see. It is, though, jarring when there are moments like this where we're basically asked to laud Mike Pence as an American hero in this moment. Um, it's tough because I agree. Thank goodness. I can, you know, it's like I it 
the words catch in my throat. <laughs> it's like, okay, so I guess, thank goodness, Mike Pence was in this role as opposed to perhaps someone else that would have been a sycophant, that would have actually done what Trump wanted. We should be terrified as a country that um, someone, like a, if a vice president decides to go along with the president and break the rule, like, and just break the law in an unprecedented way and declare themselves the victors. I mean, this this moment that we were looking at on Thursday, the, the focus on the pressure campaign against Mike Pence put into historical context just how unprecedented this is, that in the... 250 plus years of our nation's history, there is nothing that comes close to this type of a an attempt at a power grab. It really should shake people to their core that we were so close. And as if, if Mike Pence had caved, we would have had a full-blown, we arguably already are in a full-blown constitutional crisis, but we would have, we would have slid right into an autocracy. Yeah. We'd had like if Giuliani, good God, or like Eastman or one of those little cronies um, were in that position. Mm -hmm. People who were actively trying to do illegal, immoral, unconstitutional things. I, I get why Pence is being framed as a hero. And he did the right thing in that situation. But it's also <laughs> like, is this the bar? <laughs> I was surprised that like Bill Barr, for instance, said it was bullshit, even though I think in his resignation letter, he was like supportive of them, you know, continuing to investigate uh, mm -hmm. you know any wrongdoing when he knew it was bullshit yeah like the whole it's like fake elector stuff that mm -hmm. this wouldn't go along with um and what like the fake elector stuff so basically convincing fake electors to cast and submit votes through fake like forged certificates and then telling them that it'd only be used if trump won legal challenges Mm -hmm. uh, continuing that even when those lawsuits were rejected and then trump's lawyers most of his lawyers were like this you know walking away mm -hmm. there's that whole dichotomy of like the normal team normal right <laughs> like team giuliani so it's like they're the i mean i would i question anyone who like chooses to work with trump and i don't want to seem like i'm lavishing praise on anyone here but the the people who were like, oh, this is obviously and clearly illegal and holds no weight and we're not going to be part of this. And then Giuliani, who by <laughs> several reports was drunk as a skunk um, mm -hmm. on election night and was basically like, yeah, you should just you should just say you won and <laughs> just, go, just go for it. Um, yeah, it's uh Rudy, Rudy, Rudy. It's also interesting that, of course, part of the reason why it's really hard when you're prosecuting this type of a crime at this high of a level, the evidence will need to be so substantive and, and so great in number that Trump knew what he was saying was false, you know, knew or should have known, but really knew that he was wrong and yet moved forward anyway, and that his intent was to defraud the American people of a free and fair election and to steal himself another four years. I'm interested that, and I thought it was, it was, uh, it was compelling that while they were mounting the evidence, I think it was the second hearing where uh, they were focusing a lot on um, what Trump knew and, and, you know, 
what he knew and when did he know it, kind of something like that. But there was the primary fraud of his lying to the American people and saying it was stolen, but then the secondary fraud of using the lies that he told uh, using that fraud to fundraise um, uh, yeah. for himself and other allies is is really staggering. And I don't know if I don't remember exactly how they verified this amount of money, but the the fundraising based on the lie of a stolen election, he was Trump was able to tr- the Trump campaign was able to raise two hundred and fifty million dollars from donors, um, and they said it would go to a fund to fight the election, um, like they called it the election defense fund which does not exist it went to a that money went to a bunch of different places to super PACs um other Trump allies Trump hotels the company that put on the rally that preceded the riot but none of it went to this election defense fund because that doesn't exist so as Zoe Lofgren um said the one of the congresswomen on the panel she said so you had the big lie and you had the big ripoff and it's a little frustrating to me. It's interesting, frustrating, depressing, whatever word you want to use, that like maybe a better way to get more GOPers to hear the committee and heed them and to understand the fraud is to point to the fraud of their own donors and their own voters. And mm-hmm. what's fucking depressing is that they probably don't care enough to actually change course. <laughs> Yeah, you know, the the millions and millions of dollars. Stop the steal. Mm. What a fucking... He is such a grifter through Mm -hmm. and through. And it was made... It's been made already abundantly clear that, like, Trump had been told many times by many people that his little plot to... Not even his plot, Eastman's plot to overturn the election was illegal and that he wanted Mm -hmm. to do it anyway. Um, Right. He was told it was unconstitutional, that it violated federal law, and he still went ahead with it regardless of of those facts um and was trying to you know pressure different elected officials into just changing the votes and resulted in a lot of people getting death threats and having their their lives and livelihoods threatened but he yeah rusty bowers one of the people um who's the republican from arizona um and Trump and wanted to overturn the loss in Arizona. Um, mm-hmm. And Mr. Bowers had a, what many call a powerful uh, testimony about that. Um, and Trump wanted, you know, to talk about removing electors and replacing them with electors, you know, removing the Biden electors and replacing them with Trump electors. And that Rusty Bowers had refused many, many times. And he also testified that that Giuliani said, we've got lots of theories. We just don't have evidence. <laughs> um, and at another point, so I thought this was really compelling, um, that Eastman, who's just a little sneaky snake, mm-hmm. uh, responded to Bowers um, questioning how he could legally be part of this by saying, just do it and like, let the courts work it out. And interestingly, Eastman and other people have asked for pardons <laughs> mm-hmm. since all of this, which is... Very, very interesting. What was, oh man, I wish I had, I'm sure somewhere I have the exact quote, but it was like, I have decided I would like a pardon if that is still on the table. And people were like memeing it. (laughs) (laughs) It's still, uh, (laughs) still, uh, you know, an option. Um, And by the way, on that subject, because I'm so glad you brought it up. 
anyone who is asking the president for a pardon, a preemptive pardon on their way out, you should have to answer for that. Why were you asking for a pardon? And what was the, you know, what were you hoping to be pardoned for? It's not a good look. Um, and frankly, uh, anyone who is asking for a pardon, um, you know, should that sh it's too bad that that's not immediately disqualifying um, to run for another term at anything, but they ha should have their names plastered everywhere. Yeah, unbelievable. And um, Raffensperger, uh, you know, Trump called there's the release of that audio where he's like begging angrily for 11,000 whatever votes. Um, and again, these are like Republicans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People who voted for Trump even voted in for Georgia. Trump. Yeah. Even Liz Cheney was a Trump supporter. Um, then Raffensperger, he, you know, he was getting threats. His wife was getting threats. He said of a sexual nature. So I'm assuming rape threats. Women always get fucking rape threats. And then his mm -hmm. daughter-in-law, so his son passed away. His daughter-in-law is a widow with her two kids, had her house broken into, and she was getting threats. Um, there were, you know, poll workers election workers getting threats like um what was the name of the woman who gave the great testimony i think today oh today um, yeah georgia her yeah shay moss um her and her mother were falsely accused of tampering with election results and they were just hounded death threats people showed up to their houses and that's a common thing these people were doxxed um like completely innocent fucking election workers. Like I believe she and her mom wanted to do it because they felt like it was a, a good thing to do and, you know, helping the community. And mm -hmm. you know, she, she said she felt horrible for picking that job and for doing it um, because of everything she had to deal with afterwards. Um, but yeah. Was... She's, didn't she say she doesn't go out anywhere? She's afraid that mm -hmm. she and her mom, like afraid for her safety. Um, afraid to be harassed but also then she was like I gained 60 pounds mm. like just sad you know just completely awful and unacceptable um way that you would treat election officials um Gabe Sterling also in in Georgia another Republican who voted for Trump mm -hmm. um and was able to public publicly disputed him um and it's just uh it's this targeting of election officials. It's uh, what the committee is really doing and they're doing it well is um, putting together this irrefutable body of evidence that Trump was, Trump was at the center of mm -hmm. this fraud, but that he also had a, a multi-stage coordinated plan to overturn the election. He was pressuring state and local officials and um, different election officials. He was, um, pressuring elected officials like um, Arizona congressman. So was uh, Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas's wife, yeah. Jenny Thomas. Jenny um, circling back. Um, she said, Jenny. <laughs> she said that she'll gladly testify before Congress. So, and, and a lot of emails have come out of her like pressuring over 30 um, congressmen and women in Arizona uh, to overturn their state's election results. Um, so yeah, I'd be interested to see her testify. Yeah. Um, but he, he also was going after he and John Eastman going after the like Dominion voting machines. He was going after Pence. Um, he was trying to find more votes, quote, find more votes, like from the 11,000 in Georgia mm -hmm. or, um, 
like promote different fraud, ballot stuffing and other things that were found. Bill Barr, you know, they said we looked into it. And can you I mean, you know that if there was any truth to any of these things like Bill Barr would have found it and prosecuted it because he is a stooge of the Trump administration and has like almost no honor himself, you know. And again, this is another person who's unfortunately going to come out of this January 6th commission with his reputation almost like revitalized because mm-hmm. just because he did the absolute bare minimum in in adhering to his like real role and um hewing closer to reality than he he has in the past. Mm-hmm. Um it, it's nice to know that some of these people um the that they draw the line somewhere yeah. before total collapse of democracy. So yay. <laughs> yeah, I will. Sadly, I was, I was surprised that there were um, so many Republicans and particularly rep- Republicans who voted for or supported Trump in various ways who, you know, told him no and that it was too far. And, you know, I'm sure some of that was probably self-interest and like, well, <laughs> And well for for me right but even with that like cynical approach and it's so sad that that's the bar but i right okay well at least uh there are some people who identify as republicans who don't who wouldn't go that far i mean let's not lose sight of the fact that they often are not supportive of like civil rights so no mm-hmm. pass here um but uh, at least there wasn't total crumble on January 6th. And there was, um, what's her name? Caroline Edwards was a Capitol police officer who she gave a really, really great testimony as well. And she, the way she described it, um, talking about like a bloody war scene and just like hours of like hand to hand, like combat basically. Um, and talking mm-hmm. about like the name she was called and how she'd never had her like patriotism or her call to duty, um, questioned before. And, which is another thing that we, we, we've mentioned before, but the fact that like the Capitol Police were targeted so viciously by Proud Boys often leading the charges is an interesting, <laughs> an interesting thing that doesn't fit the usual narrative um, by conservatives and the right. Right. Because generally it's, you know, the Blue Lives Matter crowd. When you're saying Blue Lives Matter, obviously you're saying Black Lives don't matter. Um, mm-hmm. not really about respecting the police so much. Um, it's, it's about, I guess, just wanting to get your way and anyone who gets in your way is the enemy. Um, and mm-hmm. you can justify that to yourselves, whether they're a police officer or not. Awful, awful, right. It, all those people banging the drum of Blue Lives Matter are just so silent when it comes to this. Just yet another one of those hypocrisies. And if you've been watching the... Because there is, and there's still to come, there's more footage that um, that they've subpoenaed and that they're going to release. Uh, there were some from the first night, but there's going to be more to come um, footage from this day. And it really paints, it does paint a really scary picture. Um, there were the people chanting, Nancy, Nancy, like Nancy, so creepy, um, walking around her office with weapons that are, yeah, it just is, it could have been so much worse than what it ended up being, which was already totally horrific. Amongst these major things that we're finding out about how directly involved Trump Trump was and how many, just as many elected officials were pushing the stolen election and fake electors scheme as were standing up to him in his circle. And 
there was no evidence that Trump could actually produce or any of his allies could produce on electoral election fraud. And all of this, all of the threats and intimidation that have been happening. Even as we look at all of that, there are so many other micro, massive, but micro stories that are springing out of this commission that deserve attention, that deserve follow-up. Like, um, Ron Johnson apparently had a sketchy involvement in trying to pick an alternate slate of electors uh, in Wisconsin. Ron Johnson is one of the GOP senators, um, and Pence shut it down. But it looks like there are texts like back and forth that show that Ron Johnson was maybe willing to give Trump what he was asking for there. Scandal after scandal coming out that I, I want to make sure we don't lose sight of and like journalists sort of see all these different threads and think like, I'm going to pick up this thread and run with it. I want to like run down this lead and find out to what extent Ron Johnson, who by the way is up for reelection this year in Wisconsin, you know, what extent is he, was he involved in perpetuating this lie and who else who, who was elected has been trying to sneak around, rehabilitate themselves. I think Kevin McCarthy, there was stuff from today, which I'm sort of still catching up on the news from today, from today's hearings, which I didn't watch in real time, but it seems like there might be some shit that came out with Kevin McCarthy. Um, anyway, it's, it's uh, be on the lookout for the littler, quote unquote, littler, but still nonetheless important stories that are being broken around the uh, sort of cataclysmic center of this. Yeah, and that's the thing is there's so many sort of shocking or groundbreaking um, headline grabbing things coming out of each each of these hearings that you don't want to lose sight of the other shit that's that's coming out. Um, the other questions, the other threads left left hanging here. Mm-hmm. It's been <laughs> it's uh, it's been a doozy uh, to uh, to put it lightly and. The, yeah, like one of the questions that I ask myself, that I think a lot of people are asking themselves is like, how is this going to be impactful and how is this going to matter? Is it, I mean, uh, I don't know. I hope it will to some extent. I wonder, I mean, ratings have been pretty good, you know, mm-hmm. for the hearings, but I feel like the people who believe that the election was stolen aren't gonna be like coming around to facts now um right you know i think you've got to have your head pretty damn deep in the sand at this point to mm-hmm. believe that um you know i think that there will be people who get incensed by watching it i mean the only group that i think maybe could be swayed a bit is like the quote-unquote moderate republicans whoever the fuck they are Mm-hmm. Um, but if one of my takeaways from this is the fact that there are Republicans who will opt for like constitutionality and whatnot over, you know, loyalty to whoever your party figurehead is at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. so like, I guess that's promising, but it's also, I worry because not that it's all about elections, but I mean, elections matter because who's in power matters for a million mm-hmm different reasons um but i do worry you know people will be so worked up over like gas prices and things like that um and not care so much about this other stuff and will 
you know, erroneously conflate, let's get erroneously conflate. Okay, cold brew, bitch. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> the, um, oh, and she lost it. <laughs> <laughs> you worry people erroneously conflate. Mm-hmm. The, like, things like the, the issue with gas prices, which is, it is fucking crazy. I, you know, I'm, I go to the pump too and mm. lose my fucking mind. I've got a mini van. <laughs> Um, <laughs> but it's, you know, we're, we're not getting into why gas prices are so high right now, but people will be like, it's all Biden, um, which it isn't all Biden. Biden's made mistakes and I have issues with Biden. I don't think he's this perfect human mm. man who's done perfect things. I have very many complaints, but I feel yeah. people <laughs> point at things that are wrong and they just blame the president. Mm-hmm. which I think is fucking stupid, honestly. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, short-sighted, narrow-minded and ignorant of, you know, context and larger things at play. Like, oh, where does <laughs> oil come from? What's going on over there right now? Um, right. <laughs> but I do worry people will be like, my day-to-day life is hard right now. Costs are high. Um, I don't like this. It seems so abstract these hearings this doesn't affect my daily life Mm -hmm. Um, I'm going to vote in my self-interest because this is America (laughs) and we are not a we're a very individualistic country Mm -hmm. Um, and and that that's my worry is that people are going to see the issues that they're having in their day-to-day lives issues with the economy and say, okay, well, I'm not going to vote for a Democrat again, no matter what, because I don't like the way my life looks right now, you know, yeah. um, and lose sight of things like, you know, upholding democracy or, you know, social justice, civil rights, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> things of that nature. Um, like such as things of that like nature. Like such as uh, <laughs> oils. <laughs> <laughs> No, I think that's so well said. That's my concern also. And I think in a lot of the topics that we've been covering recently, that's something that I feel like I clumsily try to express is this fear that we are so short-sighted, we collectively, especially I think I would specifically caution people who consider themselves moderate or like right-leaning but aren't thrilled with Trump like kind of a a lot of the people who got us into the situation we're we're in um and also the people who are responsible for Biden being the elect you know the the official who seemed the most electable like Mm -hmm. it's not because he's the most electable for me Mm -mm. you know (laughs) no one's thinking of me specifically when they're like most electable for people like Maria and Aaron you know like (laughs) they want (laughs) um so you know constantly getting pulled in the direction of having to justify uh a lot of a lot of leftist positions or a lot of the democratic platform as defined by the right, as defined by Tucker Carlson and then both sided by the New York times op-ed section and CNN, Crystal Liza, like so many different pundits who are responding to essentially what it, the narrative that's set by Tucker Carlson, Trump, you know, people shouting on the right who are making more noise. Um, and then the, the, people on the right who are on Twitter making the most noise, like suddenly we all have to respond and have a national conversation around something that they've 
decided is the issue. Like, you know, we, we were talking about trans and LGBTQ rights last week, and I get so frustrated that for some reason the narrative has been able to be structured by people like Tucker Carlson or like people who are the equivalent of a Joe Manchin, like a confused elder, you know, statesman you know like a fucking and then it's like just because you don't understand we all have to respond to the conversation on your terms meanwhile we're the january 6th commission's going on and we're talking about a president who tried to who perpetrated a fraud on the american public and on his own supporters and his party is most likely going to win in a sweep um, at, for the midterms, the it, it, and they'll probably win the, the presidency. Like he might get reelected even after it has been proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that he is a grifter of the highest order. And he will, if once he gets power, he's not going to make the mistake of choosing Pence or choosing someone who is like a mealy mouthed like follower Republican. He is going to pick. Maybe he'll pick John Eastman. He's going to surround himself with ironclad yes men, sycophants, who will absolutely support his interpretation of reality and the Constitution as interpreted by him, Shudder. Um, and at that point, I'm rewatching Game of Thrones and um, we're on season two and Cersei is threatening Littlefinger, who was talking about how power is words and power is having this and that. And she says like, she calls her 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 um, the knights that are surrounding her, and she says like, "Grab him, see or seize him." And so he seized, and she's like, "Slit his throat." And then they almost do, and she's like, "Stop, back up three feet." And she looks at him, and she's like, "Power is power," you know. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of like that. At at a certain point, the Supreme Court doesn't have an army behind them. Power is power. So if Trump has the army. If Trump has the lawyers, if Trump has the power and he is he and he refuses to release his power, who has the power? Mm-hmm. I think he does. I think he will have the power. Um, I think that there are enough people with guns and enough people within the military um, and within the Justice Department that we are seriously still looking at an extremely dangerous situation we it it does feel like we're on the precipice here and i do not want republicans to win the midterms because they get to point to 13 year olds in iowa who want to be on the women's swim team Mm -hmm. like it's like this cannot be the dominating national narrative leave those people alone but certainly like as a as a country can we please be better and get our heads out of the the sand on this and see the forest through the trees because this is a five alarm fire. It has been for a while, but the January 6th commission is ringing the bell more loudly than I think we have ever and more clearly than we have ever heard it. Yeah. And what are we going to do when we hear, you know, we're going to put our little earbuds in <laughs> listen to the fucking bell and, yeah. and do something. I'm just, oh, I'm so nervous for like that's the theme of life like with all of these things going on all these fucking five alarm fires it's just yeah. like what are we going to do what's going to happen because you know even though i'm i'm a little bit i feel a little bit better knowing that there are people who i would have assumed would have gone along with it that didn't like 
the fact that things went as far as they did, the fact Trump was elected in the fucking first place, the fact he was on the ballot, like I just, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's so hard because it's like, I feel like I squint to try and see some silver lining, but like maybe I just need to get my eyes checked because um, uh, there's a lot of damning shit too. And it's, it's like we're watching a, a drama, you know, a HBO or a Netflix original series. And um, yeah. I don't know how it's going to play out, but it's, it's our lives. There's no, yeah. <laughs> no actors here. <laughs> no actors here. <laughs> it's IRL. Um, I'm like, Lord, yeah. Growing up, yeah. we just, yeah, at least I thought, oh, wow, the future, well, ooh, things, progress, change. And now it's just like holding on with our fingernails, like, stop, <laughs> stop sliding backwards. You're already back in so many senses. And, you know, we've made little yeah. wins here and there and little victories forward and some significant victories forward. But overall, the whole picture is fucking bleak. Yeah. But yeah. Hope change. <laughs> Wow, we've come a long way from hope and change. <laughs> I know. I don't. I want there to be. You know. Oh, gosh. I know. I know. And I haven't. I haven't forgotten Obama that you said you were gonna codify. Bro, it's one of your first acts, and you never did. It just wasn't a priority anymore. Nope. Bro, nope. he did me like that. <laughs> yeah, he looks more moderate by the. As the days go by, you just go back and look and think, wow. Yeah. Well, I, I do still have respect for him, and I do still a lot I appreciate about him, which I feel like will get me flamed in, in, certain, <laughs> in certain circles. But I don't know. I feel like you have to look at things through the lens and of where you were at and where the world around you was at because Mm-hmm. 2021, 2022, <laughs> 2022, Aaron, uh, <laughs> understands things more than, you know, back in the day. But anyway, schmear. Yeah. You know, the best way that we can change things is to pay attention. And I know it's hard, you know, and I feel like sometimes it's like, oh, I'll feel depressed. Like, we'll we'll have our chats and it's like damn, what, you know, (laughs) there's like, what, where are we going to go from here? And I think, but I do think that like, at least talking about it and having more people talk more honestly about like, about where we're at, what are we hearing? What's going on at the commission? Cause there's so much depressing news. And then add on top of it, of course, like the unending layers of conversations about the pandemic, which is my personal um, hell is conversations around the pandemic. I fucking can't. Um, I, I've grown so weary. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but like, and and so I, I, can, I, I understand because I feel like with the pandemic, I certainly want to, I do not want to talk about it. Like someone will bring up something and it's like, nope. I, I hate this topic. <laughs> Unsubscribe. <laughs> and I think a lot of people feel that way. And I try not to. I do try to engage with like real conversations. But mm-hmm. I think that a lot of people feel that way about politics. Like someone would say, oh, do you, you know, have you been watching the January 6th and el- commissions? And many, many Americans would be like, nope, unsubscribe. That sucks. I hate this. Mm-hmm. And it's sort of important that as much as possible, I think, people try to at least just like pay attention a little bit because 
that's the bare minimum. And it, and it really does feel like democracy is more fragile than ever. There are so many cliches about like people, you know, fought, fought and died for your right to cast a vote in a democracy. Um, and I'm not thinking about like really like soldiers abroad as much as I'm thinking of like just the fight for every single group to have the right to vote Mm -hmm. in the world that we've been given. Um, has been hard won and like I think a lot of that progress has been taken for granted um and and will be just taken right away because if people are ambivalent or people are ignoring it yeah I wish we could invest somehow in like civic education and media literacy yeah Um, but then it goes back to who's in charge of what kids are taught in schools and they're (laughs) busy trying to not Mm -hmm. teach kids accurate history um so it's hard because it feels like any solution is is met with the reality that there are people in power opposed to solving problems because it negatively impacts their bottom line um, mm-hmm. and their stake of control and power. So, but maybe <laughs> like, <laughs> there's always some nonprofits out there that like teach kids media literacy, but then it's like, how do the kids sign up? Do their parents have to choose that they, you know, I don't know. I know. And then we're in the absolute, one of the most depressing downward spirals, which is parents having control over public education curriculums, which is another topic. And we've talked about it and we'll talk about it again, but like, God damn, that is not a trend that is looking good for anyone for Mm -hmm. progress. Um, So yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Anything else you want to touch on before we leap over to the OECs? I feel I've touched enough. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And now for we see you. All right, Brazil. Um, So, Mm. (laughs) is this a journalist? No. Oh, okay. (laughs) Google that. A judge in Brazil denied an abortion to an 11-year-old who had been impregnated by rape. Um, She was raped in her home earlier in the year, and when she was taken to the hospital, um, the doctor denied her an abortion, and then the judge doubled down on that because she didn't want to enable a quote-unquote homicide. Um, And Brazil is somewhere where abortion is criminalized and abortion patients um, face one to three years in prison um, and providers who perform abortions one to four years in prison. Um, They do provide exceptions for threats to the pregnant person's life. um, And if the pregnancy is the result of rape, if they're early enough along. So they decided that this 11 year old girl who didn't realize she was pregnant um, was too far along. so they denied it to her and it feels like not being grim but it feels like it could be kind of a preview of what could be to come here at least in some states um and it's just i can't imagine having it's not you know it's not safe for 11 year olds to carry babies to to term we see you to um, not to the entire country of Brazil, obviously, 
but um, to the judge and to the policymakers that enable these sorts of decisions that devalue the lives of girls and women who are living. Mm, we see you. Um, Eric Greeton, Greetons? Eric Greetens um, is running for uh, the U.S. Senate in Missouri, Republican. Um, but he actually came under fire after um, his new ad, which calls for rhino hunting, Republican in name only hunting, actually came was he was criticized by both people on the left and right, which, again, in this day oh, and age, wow. if you manage to get both sides to uh, condemn you. Well done, sir. Um, it's a violent ad that basically endorses shooting people who say who are Republicans in name only. Again, this is defined as whatever Eric Greetens probably thinks is Republican in name only. Um, and the video, so people accused it of glorifying political violence, but it was flagged by Twitter and removed by Facebook for violating policies around violence and abuse. Um, a little bit of what it was in the ad was a quote that said it, it had greetings um, with a huge smile and a ginormous rifle. Today we're going rhino hunting. Um, the rhino feeds on corruption and is marked by the stripes of cowardice. Get a rhino hunting permit. There's no bagging limit, no tagging limit, and it doesn't expire until we save our country. Ah, this man's running for Senate in Missouri, and he probably will win. Bummer for all of us. Um, if you're in Missouri, maybe consider uh, mobilizing against this fucking asshole in a moment again. Like, obviously, there's so much wrong with this. Um, but how insensitive when we're trying to – there are mass shootings, like, almost daily in this country. And I just – what a disgusting person. Oh, and also, I – can't forget this but um it's important if if anyone's interested to go and read um his former wife's affidavit about his abusive behavior um she said that his threats included coercion and violence and violence against the children and um threatening to take away his uh, her her right to see her kids if she ever disclosed um, any of the violence um, and their therapists uh, when they tried to go to therapy said that they've reached the um, he said like I've reached the extent of what I can do uh, which is like woof <laughs> from, from a therapist um, but anyway physical right. violence towards herself and her children um, and the therapist saying like I don't know um, anyway it's in her affidavit um, from I think 20 21 um yeah so this man seems like an absolute piece of shit personally politically and um you know just let's just fucking try to make sure he maybe doesn't win in missouri we see you we see you my god therapist throwing in the towel <laughs> Oof. Woof. <Yeah>. um <laughs> Alrighty. so the group known as FINA, which is the world governing body for um, swimming, basically barred trans women from um, elite competitions like the Olympics and World Championships. They said that women who completed their transitions before the age of 12 could still compete um, with other women, but other trans women are not allowed um 
which effectively bans trans women because uh, you like can't <laughs> legally <laughs> generally complete um, a physical transition by the age of 12. Um, right. What? Yeah. Yeah, I can't really do that. Uh, there are laws in place that, you know, don't allow you to do that. Um, so it effectively bans trans women from competing with other women. Um, which as tuned into our episode recently about, about this. Um, so I won't go at, at length about it, but you know, there, anyone who's an elite athlete has some sort of advantage one or another. Um, there have been shown to be potentially some advantages to, um, in, in strength or in certain aspects for, um, trans women who went through puberty before transitioning, um, but they're not huge, significant um, differences. And like I said, I mean, do you think Michael Phelps has no advantages over other swimmers? You know, there's not, and you can look at trans athletes and they're not winning every single game, match, race, whatever it is. Um, mm -hmm. The issue is, it's, yeah. Yeah. So we see you to FINA for choosing to police this one aspect and, you know, not have, because we're, you know, where does it end? It's like, okay, then if you're above a certain height, you can't compete because that's an advantage. Or if your muscle mass is X, Y, or Z, it's just, it's bullshit um, and transphobic and I hate it. And we see you. Yeah. We see you. Ugh. Uh, okay, so former Iowa representative Steve King um, tweeted something offensive yesterday on Juneteenth, of course, or yesterday when many were celebrating um, Juneteenth. Um, he said, I spent Juneteenth all day in the hot sun hoeing and pulling weeds and thinking about what it would have been like to have been a slave. At the end of the day, I thought about what it would have been like to be an aborted baby. I got to see the sunrise and the sunset. Wow, <sighs> oh, fresh fucking hell, this person. Oh I know. God, wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So this man was censured by the Senate or by the by Congress when he was in Congress because he had ties to like blatant ties to white nationalist hmm. um, organizations. And I believe he was the one who said um, that uh, he was speaking about illegal immigrants and uh, said that they had like calves the size of watermelons or big melons or something. Cause they were like in the, it was just like off so offensive, okay, yeah. so, just offensive. So this is not surprising that he would tweet. He would think about this tweet and then he would hit send and publish this fucking tweet. Um, <laughs> Twitter has been kind of fun, though, in terms of this discourse, because a lot of people are like, <laughs> someone said, I, too, think about what things would have been like had Steve King been aborted. And I long. <laughs> So anyway, there's a lot of tweets to that effect that are just like making me giggle. Um, um, but yeah, I I also, I think the tweet kind of speaks for itself in the ways in which it's misguided at best and just like a racist piece of shit thing to think and say. Um, but I also just don't believe that he was actually 
out working in the sun at, at any point um, <laughs> that day at all. So, um, you know, I, I just, <laughs> <laughs> um, so anyway, I just wanted to call it out as like a totally disgusting thing. And like somehow Steve King, who was not even in Congress anymore. And yet I still remember some of his quotes. Oh, and I believe he also was speaking about um, just how Western civilization is like superior in a lot of ways, of course, because he's a white nationalist, but like that he manages to stay um, relevant for being one of the shittiest, most racist people publicly um, is is kind of a feat in today's day and age. Um, so yeah, just we see you to Steve King. And if you do want to giggle when you think about this, feel free to check out Twitter, which is on fire. <laughs> I love, I love the the twitchosphere <laughs> for these things. Yeah. Um, rounding it out. So on my end, so I was reading about um, how Elon Musk's um, daughter, whose plans <laughs> is changing uh, file paperwork. She just turned eighteen to change her name. Um, citing gender, yeah, <laughs> citing gender identity and the fact that I no longer live with him or wish to be related to my biological father in any way, shape, or form, which like, yas queen, <laughs> I hear you there. Um, and I didn't realize that so this isn't like a brand new tweet from Elon Musk, but he's like made fun of like trans people basically in the past. Um, he like in about a year ago he tweeted i absolutely support trans but all these pronouns are an aesthetic nightmare um and he named his kid like what did he name his kid anyway (laughs) (laughs) continue um and it's just the fact like and he's got other quote-unquote jokes at the expense of like trans people and like "Mm, but pronouns yeah i can't handle it and just knowing that he has a trans daughter and he's been making these jokes, it's just even more, I mean, you shouldn't be a shitty person regardless of who is in your family or who your kid is. Mm-hmm. It's just, I mean, we didn't need any more reasons to hate Elon Musk, mm-hmm. uh, but here we have another one. And that's not even the only, he's every day, every day. Like yeah. there was the, he people were fired for like speaking out at his company it's like i thought you were all about free speech that's just on twitter so you can make fun of trans people but in your company when people speak mm-hmm. out about you you gotta mm-hmm. fire them it's interesting elon um but anywho yeah. i just wanted to see him uh this week for uh being a uh, shitty father on top of all of it uh, we see you elon Elon. Sorry. I hope his daughter has a wonderful, blessed life. And it does give me hope to see like the kids of shitty people being not shitty people, you know? So, yeah. You know, break those generational um, issues. So good yes. on her. And Elon Musk, you fucking mediocre man who's just thinks you're fucking God's gift. I, you know, I hate him. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> I love it. I love a good Elon rant. You. <laughs> oh, and my last one is like almost a holdover from last week because I didn't get to it. It was one of my maybes, um, but it has just sort of been bugging me for the whole week. <laughs> um, 
So it really, really irritates me that Ginny Thomas is now um, protected since like the since Congress passed like the protection of the families of Supreme Court justices because oh there was there was like a small crowd outside of Justice Kavanaugh's home because his neighbors told people where he lived because uh, they hate him um, and it was a it was peaceful people were just like we hate you <laughs> but you know from a safe distance yeah. um, and uh, I. I hate that we've just like mobilized around like this we were able the con- congress was able to like performatively pass a law protecting supreme court justices and their family members while literally not mobilizing to protect the safety of anyone else and so it just bothers me then that we're looking at a situation where Ginny thomas is receiving protection from <laughs> something crashed upstairs you you might need protection <laughs> not sure text the husband <laughs> um that jenny thomas is receiving protection and added security from the government that she is advocating to overthrow um and that really gnaws at me um so yeah, I just wanted to call out how um, ridiculous it is that like there's that we were so swiftly able to mobilize to protect the family of su- families of Supreme Court, um, the Supreme Court justices and their families. And like I agree, you know, I it, it bums me out that for instance, like I'm not a monster. I don't think it's great that like Justice Kavanaugh's daughters are like have to like hear people shouting outside of their house, but <clears throat> it's a public street and their dad is a piece of shit. Um, And that's just the way it is. Sometimes life isn't fair. Sometimes your dad's on the Supreme court, taking away your future right to get an abortion and like mm, learn about it. You know, Um, it's just an unpleasant, it's just an unpleasant thing that's happening. Um, So anyway, I'm just sort of just grossed out by the general dynamic of like quickly mobilizing for the safety of um, Supreme court justices, family members while like, we can't do shit about anything else, including, um, you know, any meaningful gun legislation, which would like now would be the time. But so we see you to just like that whole thing happening. We see you. And we know that Brett Kavanaugh gets emotional. We need to protect him, you know. Oh, Bretty Brett. I don't know if you can hear my radiator hissing now. Yes, your uh, radiator is getting upset. Started right on, right on. <laughs> uh, but my personal good thing this week is that Beyonce is going to drop a new album at the end of July, and she dropped a new song, "Break My Soul," and it made my baby dance. So that's great. Yay! I can't fucking wait. I cannot wait. Yes, that was easily easily good thing um and our runner-up of course was the pictures of ryan gosling that were released from oh Barbie movie with greta gerwig oh, could i have forgotten about Ted? How could you forget? it's the runner-up because only beyonce would have booted that boot <laughs> you thirsty <laughs> it's more just like that was the dumbest picture. I just can't wait for whatever that movie is. Like, good thing. I'm Greta excited. Gerwig. I'm excited as well. <laughs> I think that does it for us. Feminists Without Mystique is part of the Frolic Podcast Network. Find more podcasts you'll love at frolic.media slash podcasts. 
Bye. Bye.